Hey, patrons. Michael here. Hello. Thanks for being here. Like, sincerely, tell me if I thank you too much for your patronage, for your support. Uh, There was a really interesting thing. Oh, I guess I should back up a little. This is the bonus content that accompanies episode 252 with Jeffrey Marsh. And uh, I'll get to that interview in a second. I want to do a quick check-in with um, a couple of things. One is there was a really interesting post by Amanda Palmer. Uh, If you don't know her already, she was one of the first people that she's a musician. She's pretty amazing. She's an artist in all different kind of ways. A little bit of an inspiration. It's weird. I don't really like love her work um, only because it just doesn't exactly resonate with me. But I love her process and seeing how she does runs her art business, if that makes sense. Uh, She made a really interesting post on her Patreon page um, just about how groundbreaking this idea is. She has like. 11,000 patrons. So she's like it completely, you know, obviously self-supporting though. She now has a team and she pays all these people. Anyway, the thing that she struggles with is still combining the business and the art, but she said some really interesting things about how groundbreaking this whole idea of patronage is. And it really made me, I mean, I feel like it is too, but I'm on such a small level with it, although it's super exciting. 99 patrons, a brand new one today. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you for joining us here. Um, Yeah, so, but it is, it's a new, you know, people are, uh, music isn't selling, like people like just streaming music. That's just how it works now. Um, But there's always this struggle as a creator and an artist to figure out how how am I going to live? How am I going to pay my rent and stuff like that? Patreon provides that in a really unique way, I think. So anyway, I'm super excited. I'm super excited that you're here. Brand new patron today makes me super excited. Like I just like this flow and please, please, please keep me posted on how I can make sure you're getting the value and the connection that you'd like to have from this space. The other thing is, um, uh, that said, oh, that's just a few minutes that I talked. Uh, I'm headed into the city today, city meaning Manhattan from Brooklyn, where I live and am recording this to meet with Micah Busey about, um, today's, uh, about the release, the album release show. It's going to be June 21st at Judson Church in the Loft. It's amazing. Mark your calendars. Um, I'm not sure exactly. I'm going to do some kind of performance. It'll Definitely there'll be music from the new album. But the album and the book will be out that day. It's official. Uh, Luke Curtis, who's designing the book, and also a patron here. Hello, uh, Luke, if you're listening. Um, so it's, it's all happening. So I'm super excited. Anyway, um, I do have to get this thing wrapped up and posted. So um, more updates on all of that as it comes. And here's the interview with Jeffrey. Is this the bonus? We haven't started the bonus yet, but okay. this could be the bonus. I love like, I'm suddenly like all barriers are down, all time barriers. I didn't, I just am noticing as I said that, I was like, oh, I didn't really give much thought to what to ask you during the bonus stuff. Um, are there topics that you would like to talk about? I, we're going to be meta, right? We're doing it already. Yeah. This is it. Yeah, this is it. Um, you'll hear... Hopefully, um, in the very beginning of the interview we just did, so this is like meta behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm in New York City, as you are as well, right, Brooklyn? Yeah, yeah, Brooklyn. And uh, it's freezing AF today. Yes. Clear and crisp, but yeah. it's still winter. It's freezing. And my heat kicked on in the first five minutes, and I like reached over and turned it off. So 
We'll see what the audio does. But your roommate was chopping veggies. Yeah, so, so all kinds of stuff could happen. <laughs> like gets down home. <laughs> yeah, and I can, I can clean up stuff. But yeah. So we didn't talk a ton about your vegan. Like we talked some about veganism. But indeed, we didn't talk about what what the actual transition to vegan looked like for you. Oh, I was. That's a great topic because I gave up meat for Jesus. Mm. Like in a Lent type thing or. Yeah, good. Uh, Yes. My mom is actually a Lutheran pastor. Uh huh. And when I was in high school, I was a senior in high school and I gave up meat for Lent. And then I, then it stuck. I just, I just kept it. Felt so good. Like a weight was lifted off my shoulders health wise, but also like, you know, spiritual wise. Mm -hmm. I just felt so much better and kept it and had, I remember uh, shortly after Lent having a, dream about dave thomas the founder of wendy's right well this is gonna and we be were good. we were in wendy's and we were having you know a chicken cordon bleu sandwich which i don't even know if they still have if it was like a special thing but at wendy's they had a chicken cordon bleu <laughs> um sandwich which is chicken and bacon and whatever else you know the sauce or whatever that goes with that and in the dream dave and i are sitting at a desk Uh, not a desk, at a table in Wendy's. And Dave, I said, you know, I'm, I'm vegetarian. I can't eat this bacon. And I lift a, lift the bun of the sandwich and I take the bacon off the sandwich, put the bun back on and eat the rest of the sandwich. And then Dave goes, oh my gosh, chicken is meat too. You just ate a chicken sandwich. And then I, you know, woke up from the dream in a cold sweat. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> just eating chicken <laughs> so but anyway i hadn't eaten chicken in real life so yeah that's really funny like i used to have when i first got sober i had drunk dreams and like drug taking dreams yeah. and then going vegan i started having those type of dreams too and i was like what i just had a dream about eating meat like come on can we just like get on with it <laughs> i think it's a pretty human human thing to have those to have those things come out in your dreams yeah um, the other thing that I was thinking about, um, and it was yeah. just in the small part of your book that I've read so far, um, it, it made me start thinking about over the course, I'm 48 years old, um, mm-hmm. how as I've gotten older, even you know, just from being a teenager to being in my 20s, I've come up with different things to not want to be myself about, like you know, like when I was uh-huh. when I was young, I was always like, "Oh, I'm so skinny. I look like a skeleton." I, I would wear like baggy clothes, and then it became, um, "I'm too fat. I'm too old." Like you know, like as those, and you say it in the book. You talk about your book being something that you can always you you written it you've written it in a way that people can go back to it again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, was that part of what was on your mind about that? Oh, absolutely. And now I'll tell you what my, um, so the person I continue to study Buddhism under and who, you know, I went to live at the monastery that she runs, her name is Sherry Huber. And she will always say it's the twos that get you. T-O-O. The twos. Oh, okay. It's, uh, we all have one. Two much 
is basically the message that we get when we're a kid. But it's too queer, too fat, as you say, too loud. And hidden inside that too is your your gateway to freedom. And when you can embrace whatever that too is, you have a much better life afterwards. Yeah. Which is what you're you're suggesting. Yeah. And it's so, um, it seems so difficult, but it's like so many things that really affect our lives on that kind of deep, positive way. It's, mm-hmm. It seems so simple, but seemingly difficult to achieve. Yeah. And what, can I also point out another brilliant thing that you said? Do. Yeah. Um, it was sort of implied, so I'm going to draw it out a little bit and you tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. But you were, you were implying that there is whatever the two du jour Hmm. is and that you will flit throughout your life from two to two to two, too skinny, too fat, too sober, (laughs) Uh uh, to whatever. And a lot of people live their whole lives never understanding that that's a process. And the process is, I'm to this, I'm to that, I'm to, I'm to, I'm to, I'm to. And that if you really want to be free and undermine, you have to undermine the process, not mm, lose weight or mm, not, you know, not undermine the specific two. You have to undermine the idea that you are too much in any way, shape or form. That's, yeah, I don't want to stay too much on me, (laughs) but I want to throw out, like, I've had an experience with this sort of by accident. Well, not by accident, but it happened. I, my, my work, my performance work, it was something that I was not, uh, I wanted to do for my entire life. And it wasn't until people like Micah Busey said, yes, here's a space to perform this idea you have. And, you know, and, and I just had, like, I kept having to do it even though I had tremendous self-doubt. And now I've done it a bunch of times and the self-doubt has gone away and I'm just doing it now. But it mm-hmm. feels not, I don't know if surreal is the right world. I think I typically, when I'm in the world of looking at those twos, that's what's yeah. surreal. And when, well, maybe not surreal, but it's not real. You know, it's, it's fake. Yeah. But, but when I'm in the, that moment of like talking about, yeah, I guess I did a thing and then I took it on tour and people came and saw it. Like it, it feels, uh, oh, I'm going to get all musical theatery. Do you know the song? It, uh, it's a quiet thing from Floor of the Red Menace. It's a candor sure. thing. Yeah, it's, it's that. It's a quiet thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's that where you're like, oh, I did it. <laughs> it's not like even a, it doesn't even feel like a big deal anymore, but it, it but yeah, it's not like a switch. No, not even a switch. It's not like a, a marching band plays. Right? Yeah. It's not like a parade. It's like you wake up one day and you realize, Oh, that thing that was really important. That was driving my whole life is actually just kind of dissolved. Yeah. Interesting. And, yeah. And it was a result of not entertaining the, focus on the too much to this not enough like 
it's a result seemingly of focusing on taking the steps instead of learning how to take the steps. Yeah, and I think the even broader view is that in order to be self-conscious, you need to have a self. Mm. Stop me if I'm getting too philosophical. No, I'm with you. It's based on a false idea that who you are is some permanent thing. Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. And that (laughs) permanent thing is too fat, too loud, too smart for their own good, whatever the two is. Yeah. Um, Okay. (laughs) This, This is like some juicy content. The Patreons are getting their five dollars worth. <laughs> yeah, they are. Last question, um, and the, yes. perhaps two parts. Um, are you a Yoko Ono fan? It's like the Sh- things. The things I like about you, I really like about her philosophy. I feel like you guys have some things <laughs> in common. Yes, indeed. Actually, yeah. Uh, okay. What's What's part two? Part two was if you're not a Yoko Ono fan, who are well? This you can still answer this question. Um, who are some other favorite artists? Like maybe main like uh, people that you feel influenced by. It's really funny. Um, I guess they're called patrons. The patrons on Patreon will need to Google this person. Okay, because almost almost no one knows Julian Eltinge. Can you spell E-L-T- that last? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I can hear you click a click a clacking. E l t i n g e. Okay. Julian Eltinge was vaudeville's most well-known female impersonator, ah. who rose to the height of his career in the early twentieth century. Was so darn famous that he had a National Beauty magazine and a Broadway theater named after him, the Eltinge Theater. Oddly enough, the Eltinge Theater is still standing today. It happens to be the AMC on 42nd Street, so they show movies. It's the AMC Theater. Uh And if you walk into the lobby of the AMC Theater on 42nd Street in New York City, you will see the lobby is original, and above the cashiers who sell you, you know, tickets to Coco, uh-huh. above the ticket counter is a mural that depicts Julian Eltinge as the three muses. Music, poetry, and I forget what the third muse is. Oh, theater. Ah, uh, arts. Okay. You'll see Julian Eltinge dressed in lady clothes in this mural. And I bet no one who's buying their ticket for Coco knows that they're in the presence of greatness. Uh, Well, my patrons on Patreon are going to know now. (laughs) They're going to (laughs) go. So I mentioned, uh, you know, in the, the, the podcast for the public that we did earlier. Uh Uh-huh. That I go on auditions and, you know, my agent sends me to Midtown sometimes to audition for theater. And every time I have a theater audition in Midtown, I go visit Julian first. And I say, 
help me with this audition, Julian. Smile down on me from heaven. Hmm. Uh, is Julian, would you consider him a, uh, like a spirit guide in a way? A foreparent? Yes, I would. And I use, you know, I would personally, you know, if Julian was alive today, probably probably he would use they, them pronouns, but, you know, he used he back in the day, so. I thought of that as I said, it. as I used the he pronoun, I thought about that. I know, but they didn't even have any, you know, consciousness of that. So we're going to go with he yeah. for Julian. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Um, so lovely to talk to you. This was all I hoped lovely it would be. Lovely to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, you are all I hoped you would be. <laughs> I love it. All right. Um, so, well, I guess we'll conclude this part, which is the, our final, the final chapter of podcast episode 251. The final chapter. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, all right. So that's the end of the interviews. And that's the end of everything.